I'm Mark Haywood, and this is Behind the Spine, a podcast which deconstructs genre and narrative and finds learning opportunities for writers in the most unlikely of places. If you truly do love country music and you do want to write in that style, you just have to be a bit stubborn and trust that what you have to say and the way that you say it is the right way, you know? If you've never been, country music has an uncanny ability to transport you to the great American South. But although Southern USA is the genre's birthplace, country has become a global phenomenon. From Vernon Dalhart's 1920s hit song, Wreck of the All 97, we've seen the advent and major success of country pop, with artists like Taylor Swift dominating the charts. The list of great country musicians is endless, with each fitting into their own subgenre, whether it's Johnny Cash and Rockabilly, or Bill Monroe, the father of bluegrass. And there's so much to learn as writers from the genre. Remember when Pete Gamori said this two weeks ago? In marketing and branding, economy of language is incredibly important. If you are able to resist the temptation to write extra words when you don't need them, you receive a lot more praise for, for being clear and specific and able to express things which are evocative or potentially expansive in someone's mind, but just using very few words. Well, country is the perfect example of how simple writing can evoke complex emotions. And there's none better to explore this subject than an actual real-life country musician. I stun lipstick on, my face is like a loaded gun. I'm a stir, not a shaking lady. Liv Austin is a Norwegian-born singer-songwriter whose debut album, A Moment of Your Time, beautifully fuses Britney Spears' pop with Shania Twain's country, subtly paying homage to her influences while creating her own unique sound. Chapter 1. Are you country enough? We have our own ideas of what good country music is. Who defines the genre? Who does it best? And those opinions are often influenced by the artists we grew up listening to. So if there's such a breadth of difference from one artist's take on country to the next, what is the thread that ties them all together? Why is country music so damn popular? I think what appealed to me was the simplicity of it. It's quite emotional. It was very emotional, but it's not often sentimental. And uh, it's very straightforward. That was the thing that I always... I always said this in early interviews, you know, why do you write country music? And I just love how it's so straightforward. And it was kind of how I wrote music before I even knew that much about country music. And I really fell in love with it when I discovered country music and I would listen to country radio and all the songs. As much as I love a good metaphor and all these, you know, images that you can uh, create with your lyrics, it's also really, really refreshing to listen to a song where somebody just says exactly the words that they want to say as if they're having a conversation and they're not trying to find a fancy way of saying it. And I think that's why it appeals to a lot of people. And that's probably to do with the fact that, you know, historically it was kind of the poor people's music and so it was not elite music and and it's still probably not kind of elite music, is it? Um, it's something that speaks to people. And and there's poetry in, in that simplicity, I think, for me. And that's probably a huge part of the appeal. 
is it fair to say that often, you know, the simpler something seems, the harder it is actually to execute because there is a brilliant accessibility about country music. You're right. It is exactly what it says. It's not pretending to be anything, um, anything particularly advanced, but I'm not a musician and I don't write lyrics, but how, how hard is it to write something that's simple? It's very hard and that's the the it's uh, one of the biggest challenges I think because you see all these people who write songs and there are all these cool words in them and then they get interviewed about what's the song about oh it's not really about anything you know I just wanted to <laughs> I just wanted to write about this but with uh, with country music if you are saying this one thing and you're being pretty straightforward about it you have to you're walking the line, uh, pardon the pun, um, of, you know, balancing being honest and also not being corny because, I mean, maybe some people think that some of it is a bit corny, but how how do you say something without kind of being too obvious about it? How can you surprise people with the last line of the chorus and, you know, not give it away before then? And um, it can be a, it can be a real challenge to say things in the least amount of words especially for someone like me who's very good at rambling on um, but yeah it's definitely a challenge it's something that I've really had to work on as a writer how are, how are artists like you developing the genre because when I think a lot if a lot of people think about country music there there are clearly some huge names that that they could mention you we think the likes of you know the enduring appeal of somebody like Dolly Parton who has not just sold bucket loads of records she's still headlining Glastonbury you know and and sounding as great as ever you've got artists like Kylie Minogue who just did um, a big country album there's a responsibility first of all that comes with writing for this genre because audiences are expecting something um, familiar but also you're trying to take the genre on how do you go about doing that without just completely changing it and being disrespectful to it you know it's the uh, ongoing kind of conflict or discussion that happens in country music modern country music because by nature if you're going to be honest if you're going to talk about something that's almost surprising in its honesty if you're going to talk about how you're feeling then you have to do something new but at the same time for so many people country music is a genre that's rooted in tradition and uh, you kind of have a bit of a divide you have the people who who really love the tradition of, you know, the country and Western music, which is kind of the, the older stuff and and the new stuff where it's about uh, raw emotion. But at the same time, it's, it's such a funny one because literally any big country name that you can think of have been told when they first started out that they weren't country. Because if you're going to do something that's going to, stand out you're going to be different and people are going to go no that's not how it's done you know listen to an interview with Shania Twain did you uh, get told that you weren't country music oh yeah all the time and now if we hear Shania Twain we're like oh yeah country music you know and same with Johnny Cash same with Garth Brooks which we think of as the ultimate sort of cliched country music they were all told that they weren't country because they were doing something that at the time was different so how do you how do you do that but as you say without being disrespectful I think if you if you're gonna do it you have to love it and if you truly do love country music and you do want to write in that style 
then you just have to be a bit stubborn and trust that what you have to say and the way that you say it is the right way, you know. To me, <laughs> I personally I personally kind of feel that the more disrespectful way of doing it, which is what is charting on the country charts in the US and stuff, or all these people who are churning out the same stuff over and over again. Because to me, that is so derivative. And all these people who are singing about, you know, drinking beer on, you know, on the back of your truck and that sort of thing. And it's just playing it really safe. And to me, that's not actually what real country music is about. But that side of the genre has kind of found its audience the people who are like you know they're playing it safe they just want something that sounds a bit country but they're not really ready to feel those emotions so yeah there are different different ideas of what it actually is and how you're going to take it take it further so I don't really have the answer to it but I think it's it's all to do with be a bit be a bit stubborn <laughs> and just kind of go with uh, what you feel is right I like I like that. And that's good advice in here. Be be stubborn. It also sounds as if, you know, the genre will be dictated by its consumers or its audience. Um, you know, the people who download um or used to remember those days when we used to buy records. What were they <laughs> nice? Yeah. Um, you know, the people that download and, and, and listen to all this. I've always thought that the value of anything is whether it finds an audience, not how big that audience is or how much money that audience pays for it and I guess we have to it's a democracy isn't it we have to be guided by what people consume but I like what you're saying about the fact that some of the biggest country music stars we could possibly name were initially told that they weren't country and and I guess unless they were prepared to be stubborn they wouldn't be where they are now is that right exactly I I think so I think uh those people that I mentioned you know for for me Shania Twain is a huge uh, inspiration because so many pretty much all of her songs she wrote on her own and so she clearly had something to say and it was incredibly feminist and and very strong without trying to prove a point it was just how she was feeling it was just her personality coming through and um I think she just found an audience for it you know and I'm sure it wasn't easy to begin with but she clearly found an audience and and got huge and it gets to a point where it's not maybe so important what you call the music anymore because you know some people say maybe country music is more of a listener than a genre you know the listeners they are the country music and they decide what that is at any given moment yeah exactly it's it's definitely something that's dictated by its audience uh, you just reminded me of something that i saw on a, a brilliant dolly parton documentary recently she was uh, performing a concert and then she was doing some pieces to camera and at one point she just said do you know how much money it costs to look this cheek which i thought was just <laughs> classic description of the you know of the image that sits around country music exactly and that she is such a great example as well i love dolly parton so much and she will crack so many jokes and most people who interview her i saw this other thing as well where reese witherspoon was interviewing her and reese is a huge fan and she was maybe a bit starstruck so she was you know being a bit careful but Dolly was cracking all these jokes and Reese didn't even understand that they were jokes because she was so deadpan and um and that is a really great example country music has so much humor in it doesn't take itself too seriously and I think that's incredibly charming I think that's really really fun and some people might miss that they might miss the humor you know if you take it too literally um, you might miss some of the tongue-in-cheek 
part of it, you know. Yeah, completely. I mean, it doesn't get more tongue-in-cheek than Dolly Parton, I think. But that, yeah. that, sounds, that sounds like an interview dripping with A-list celebrity. That's yeah, amazing. definitely. <laughs> Chapter two, a three-minute story. The huge takeaway so far is to be stubborn. And to expand on that, trust your gut. If you want to hear nice things about your work, then show it to a loved one. If you want valuable, constructive advice, then be brave and look further afield. But to paraphrase Baz Luhrmann's sunscreen, advice is a form of nostalgia. Be patient with those who supply it, and be careful whose you buy. Opinions are a dime a dozen, and just because someone disagrees with the way you've chosen to do something, doesn't make it wrong. Sometimes, you just have to trust your gut when you're trying something new. But here, Liv has tapped into an intriguing crossroads that we all come to as writers. Play it safe in the understanding that there's a huge market looking for more of what they already know, or go wild, risk failure for the chance of becoming a legend. Is either path good or bad? I'm not sure I can say. For Liv, her approach to songwriting has shifted over the years. I think when I first started releasing music, I was so kind of newly in love with country music and I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to be legit. I wanted to do that. And uh, I was writing from the heart. I was writing songs that that meant a lot to me. But I think now I'm less chasing a genre and I'm more just writing whatever comes to me that day. And I'm sure it's still inspired by different music that I listen to, but maybe less conscious. I'm just writing in the style that fits me that day, whatever I hear in my head, and um, then try and do a production around it. And sometimes it's a lot more poppy or singer-songwriter or whatever you want to call it, but I'm not, I'm not trying to go, how could this be a country song? Um, how can I market this as a country song or how can I market it as this and that? And uh, maybe being a bit less concerned with what you call my music and uh, just writing something that's really unique to me. Because the artists that I love, they're hard to place sometimes. Um, how do you describe this person? Oh, I don't really know. You just have to listen to them because they're not like anyone else. And uh, I think I'm hoping to be more of that now and just kind of writing in the way that I'm uh, increasingly understanding is unique to me. When you sit down and think about writing a, a song, can is there a particular way that you go about that or, or can it come from anywhere, either a, a memory, you know, an emotion, something that happened to you way back when or something that just comes to you in the in the middle of the night? Is it is it all of those things? Do you, do you try not to have a set way of working? Yeah. I was much more set in in the ways that I worked before. I would get an idea that would come to me and then I'd go, oh, could this be a song? And then sit down and kind of work it out. And I still do that. I, sometimes they, they the ideas come at weird times while you're walking down the road. So I just have to pick up my phone and do a voice memo and do like a you know, into, into my phone, uh, which is always hilarious to listen to after. But I do a lot of co-writing now because I write for other artists and that has taught me so much about being a songwriter because I have learned that for every single person who writes a song, there's a new way of thinking that this is the way to write a song. And you come across people who have just written a song in one way their entire careers and that's how they work. And you're like, oh, that's so interesting that that's 
that's your only approach and I'm learning something from it, but maybe you're also learning from me that there's a different way of, of, of doing it. So I think I'm, I'm trying not to decide how it's going to come and it could be, you know, sometimes I have examples of songs that where the whole melody came before the lyrics, the whole lyrics came before the melody and most of the time it all came at once because I've had a really strong feeling, you know, about something and uh, just started writing it down and then a melody kind of came with it. So, yeah, there are all there are as many different ways of writing songs as there are songwriters. And I'm trying to kind of learn from that and uh, keep it organic at the same time. It's fascinating because what you're actually doing is writing or you're telling a story in two and a half, three minutes, something like that. Have you ever thought about it? like that they are to me short stories set to music that's effectively what I take from songwriting is that you are telling a story it just happens to be set to music and it's sung is that is that something that you're conscious of yeah I'm very conscious of that I think about the constant challenge of saying as much as possible with as few words as possible trying to give as much information but not just cram it full of words as well how can I say this in in a short amount of words and and I'm really surprising myself sometimes with how you don't have to to feed the audience the whole story because they can connect the dots much more than you sometimes give them credit for and um, one example is one of my songs where the first line or two go when I was 18 I met the love of my life now he's miles away with a kid and a wife. And uh, you don't have to explain the whole story, but you kind of go, oh, well, you're 18. So, you know, it was obviously not the love of your life, but you thought at the time. And all of this stuff has happened since. So you can kind of give the audience credit and let them connect the dots between what you're actually saying explicitly uh, by choosing very wisely what bits of information you give them, which is really, really fun. It's a challenge, but it's really fun to try and figure it out. Mm, and, I, and I think that music is such a personal thing to audiences and people will react very differently. But I'm guessing a lot of people could imagine themselves in that position at the age of 18 and being in love with someone that they're not currently in a relationship with. And then they'll go off and make their own stories and fill in their own blanks, won't they, based on on you know, their own life stories. I, I've always been fascinated by uh, by that. My favourite lyric of yours, if I may, and I'm not actually sure whether it was you wrote this or whether it was your co-writer, but um, there is a, a beautiful simplicity to the line, third time round of second chances. Third time round of second chances. Hmm. Um, which I think says so much about a situation and what has happened up until that point you know I think what I think you're saying is you know less is absolutely more at times your audiences can be trusted to fill in the blanks themselves and often will probably develop the story way more than it is written in the song I would have thought yeah exactly and that is um yeah I I'm happy I'm really happy with that line because that was how I was feeling at the time third time round of second chances that explains the type of person you're dealing with very clearly. And as you say, for the audience, that might mean something different than it does for you. So when I wrote that song, which is that's from the next time, was someone I was working with, and they were driving me mad, because they just 
would not listen to me. They were disrespectful to me and I just had enough. I've had so many people go, that's my breakup song. That's my breakup song. It just, it was so empowering when I was going through this breakup and I go, that's fantastic. That's not what I wrote it about, but that doesn't matter because that's what it means to you. And I have that with so many of my songs where they will pick one or two lines that removed from the rest of the song can mean something completely different. And that's what's important to them, which yeah, is, which is a great way to interpret something. The power of words. It's amazing, isn't it? And very deeply personal. Um, your latest EP that we talked about um, recently is um, is a, a, a change from what we've seen from you before. It's a series of cover versions. How did that come about? It was to do with me kind of seeing myself as a slightly different artist. It, you know, going back to me not chasing the type of artist that I wanted to be so much you know it's not like oh I'm a country singer I'm a I'm a so-and-so and um some songs kept coming back to me and they were sort of early 2000 uh pop songs that were just wonderfully written and uh that inspired me to become a writer in the first place because that was my teenage years and I was kind of dabbling with uh songwriting and, and I wanted to show people where I kind of came from a bit more and it's very interesting for me who who you know being a writer and that being as big a part of it as being a singer you keep looking into different songs that you grew up with and you go that's the same writer the same writer wrote all these songs and uh, you come back to a few writers who were just in pop music in country music they were just writing all of these songs that you relate to and you go oh actually this is this probably makes a lot of sense because you have some writers who, you know, for some reason they just um, awaken something in you, the way that they use their melodies or their words and uh, you keep coming back to them with different artists. And uh, yeah, they've, you know, some of these people who wrote these songs, they have written loads of country music as well. So it's, it's all very, very closely connected, really. And you can kind of choose to slap a bit of banjo on it but it's actually not that different when it comes to uh, what you want to say in the lyrics chapter three the power of nostalgia i'm sure liv's comments will resonate with you how there are certain writers for music or otherwise who just speak to every fiber of your being we spoke earlier about placing yourself within the country music genre that there's a responsibility that comes with that to do justice to the genre that same sort of responsibility comes with covering another person's song. Just like a writer writing for an ongoing TV show, you have an obligation to honour an audience's expectations whilst being confident enough to add your own twist, your own flavour. It's a tightrope. Just look at how Ryan Johnson monumentally divided opinion with Star Wars The Last Jedi by subverting the expectations built up by J.J. Abrams in The Force Awakens. The question is, how brave are you willing to be? What's great about Liv's take on the classics in her latest EP, Popsicle, is how uniquely she portrays the songs. I have to admit, it took me a moment to even realise the first one up on the playlist was an Avril Lavigne cover. It's really interesting because I, around the time that I had this idea to do these songs, to cover some of these songs, I saw a lot of nostalgia for that period of, of music. And I just thought, oh, I thought I had this really original idea, but now everyone's, you know, throwback to the early, you know, Britney songs and Kelly Clarkson and stuff. 
And I think that we are quite hungry for a bit of that old, I mean, old <laughs> um, pop music. And there's loads of great pop music now, but there is maybe not so much of that storytelling always, with a few exceptions. There are some, some you know, current, really uh, hot, you know, pop artists who, who write super or perform super honest songs about their feelings and what's going on in their lives. But there's also a lot of stuff where it seems like they're just chasing a hit rather than writing from the heart. And so I think we're all a bit hungry to to kind of go back to that. Or maybe it's just the thing that always happens in culture that we're looking back 20 years and, you know, romanticizing that because we were younger and everything was easier. It might be that. <laughs> but, um, but I think there's something to do with that music that we're all missing it a bit. And I think I'll probably be writing in that style in the next couple of years because I'm really hungry for a good, you know, Avril Lavigne pop song that is hooky and catchy, but it's also talking about something that's real and personal. So, so yeah, I, I think I kind of landed on the, the perfect time to do it because the, the feedback's been really, really great. And people love those songs so much. It certainly reminded me of the holiday that I was on when that song <laughs> came out and was on the radio all the time. And, and I think there's a real powerful set of emotions connected to music because it does root us. And maybe it is instantly nostalgic because that was from a particular time when we were younger in a different place. And there's a hugely powerful draw I think in terms of um in terms of memory because it just it did it took me right back to whenever that song first came out but I can mm. I, I know where I was in the world you know when it <laughs> um when it when it came out um I wanted to ask a question about trends in the industry and how you are having to adapt as a recording artist um clearly nobody buys records um the way they used to we are nostalgically addicted to vinyl, which I think is interesting. <laughs> but the way that we consume music now has changed. We download most of this stuff or we stream most of this stuff. Yeah. How much, if any, of an impact has that had on you? Because as I understand it, am I right in thinking if people listen to less than 30 seconds of the track, the artist doesn't get paid? Is that right? Yeah, that's the latest um, sort of information I've got on that. And, and uh, that is probably changing all the time how they do that. They find new clever ways of paying us less and less. Um, but uh, yeah, but even that payment is is just so small and, uh, you know, it's different depending on what streaming service people are using. And um, it's uh, all these weird rules that we as songwriters and artists have to, to try and be smart about, but also, you know, you're just counting pennies essentially. So the whole music industry has obviously shifted so much and it's not right to say that there's no money in it, but there is only money in it if you can be really realistic about where it is and and not get stuck in the old ideas of maybe when you were growing up and you thought that you were going to do this and that, that might have to change and so, yeah, I make very little money off of music sales, streams. I make more money off of um, gigging live and uh, not necessarily from the, the gig fee that I get, but from 
PRS, you know, for every time a song that I'm performing that I wrote or uh, another artist performs a song that I wrote or it gets played on the radio, there's still a bit of money in that. But yeah, we and that changes how we do things because you used to go on tour to promote your album and now you do an album or a release of some kind so that you can go on tour because that's where there's potentially a bit of money if people are willing to to buy a ticket to come and see you so it's a funny one because it uh, makes a lot of artists question whether whether it's worth doing an album at all I mean some people that I work with some of my colleagues they were like oh I'm so jealous of you doing an album I'm probably never going to do that because they're paying out of their own pocket if they're indie you know so it's uh it's just a huge uh, cost because recording is still expensive but you just never get a return on that so it it makes you rethink how you do the whole music thing and some people will have some of their biggest hits so to speak if they're a sort of if they're a um medium level artist who will have a, a decent draw but they're not hugely famous they might have songs that they haven't recorded yet released yet that their audience will know perfectly well because they play it at every gig but they haven't released it and that's very different from how it used to be for sure mm. yeah so it's important that you understand the industry that you're working in I guess because yeah. otherwise you're, you're chasing the wrong you know you're chasing the wrong thing Final question, if, if I may, can I, what, what's coming up next for you um, writing wise or story wise or, or music wise? What are you working on at the moment? So I'm working on new music and it's super, super exciting. In lockdown, I've been very lucky because I have a studio at home. So, and I live with my partner who is my producer. So I'm not in the worst position right now. I'm very, it's, very grateful. It's very, very organized. Of you. I know I plan this really well. <laughs> So luckily, I think otherwise I would have been going a bit bit mad and I feel bad for the, uh, you know, for my, my colleagues who are kind of stuck at home and they're feeling really creative, but they can't really do that much about it. But um, I'm finishing up a few singles. Hopefully there's going to be another album um, in the new year. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really lengthy process. So I'm kind of working just one track at a time, probably going to release a few singles. I've got one. Um, that I'm shooting a music video for this week so uh, we'll see how long it takes before that comes out but hopefully as soon as possible and it's really different music so I'm very excited to hear what my fans think I hope they're going to love it because you know it's me it's it's honest it's kind of everything we've talked about in this conversation so yeah I'll be uh, I'll be releasing a few singles this year and then hopefully an album of some kind next year and maybe one day another tour at some point to <laughs> get out of this madness. Yeah, I don't even dare, you know, dream right now. But it's so frustrating because at the beginning of this, I was kind of planning a f quite a few dates for, for the end of the year. You know, around o October, November, I was going to try and, and come to as many uh, cities in the UK as possible and talking to different venues. And that's all just on hold but that's that's the same as everyone else at the moment so um yeah probably next year realistically i'm going to be doing most of my gigs well fingers crossed that that happens sooner rather than later Liv austin thank you very much indeed it's been a pleasure thank you for having me we'll try to make the pieces conclusion a massive thank you then to Liv austin for joining me on the podcast to recap what have we learned simple by no means equals easy reigning in the metaphor Charging the bare bones of a story with depth and emotion, it's tough. 
But occasionally, take a moment to consider whether you'll tap into the hearts and minds of your audience better if you just give simplicity a chance. Be stubborn. If you want to break from the traditional portrayal of your genre, know that each writer has their own idea of perfection, and if in doubt, write from the heart. Some things are better left unsaid. You don't need to feed the audience the whole story. They're often more than capable of connecting the dots. And even if they don't connect them in the way that you intended, that can be positive too. It means your audience is taking away something unique from your story. Find a way of working that suits you best. You often hear of writers locking themselves away in a cabin for six months seeking inspiration. But it doesn't mean you should do that. Liv says, keep it organic, and I couldn't agree more. And finally, consider tapping into the power of nostalgia and our obsession with reminiscing. Borrow from the past, but remember to keep it unique. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Haywood. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook as at Behind the Spine. New episodes are released weekly. Please like us and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Coming up next week, we'll be in conversation with Ita O'Brien. Ita is an intimacy coordinator and a movement director for film, television and theatre. What we want is that that intimate content is written clearly. So I have a page here from from normal people there's absolute clarity you know the beats are there she kisses him the kiss deepens he moves his hand down her body she pushes up towards him that's great goodbye for now stay safe and keep writing bye, bye, bye. this was the next time